welcome to Peculiar Stories and Fire Out Tales. This is Kimmy Ellen. And I'm Anna Howington. And I'm just going to jump right in. Okay. Okay. So this is the story of the Aurora, Texas UFO crash. Oh. Do you know anything about this? No, I don't even know where Aurora, Texas is. Honestly, I couldn't believe I didn't know about this either because Aurora, Texas is actually only 30 minutes from our old hometown, Denton, Texas. Really? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. And this is one of the first, like, UFO crashes in American history. So, really interesting. Shout out to Kyle in Texas for recommending this to us via Instagram. And if any listeners out there have any suggestions for us, please send them our way. I love it. I want to cover the stuff that you guys want to hear about. So, those are super helpful. So, please continue. Yes. Okay, so we're going to take this way back to 1897, some 50 years before the incident at Roswell and five years before the Wright brothers invented the airplane. Ooh, wow. So this is before anything was even flying in right. the air. <laughs> I feel like that's normally when there's like UFO stuff, you're like, oh, it's it's a plane that we just don't know about. But exactly. it couldn't have been that. No, they didn't they didn't even have planes. So this was this was crazy. According to local newspaper reports, on April 15th, 1897, just before sunrise, an unknown aircraft crashed into the windmill of a local judge, Judge J.S. Proctor. And the following is from an article in the Dallas Morning News by the reporter S.E. Hayden. Did everyone go by initials? Sorry. I, know, I was wondering that too. I was like, <laughs> and I tried to look up their names, but I couldn't find it anywhere. And I was like, I guess that's just who they are. That's in the 1800s, just everyone was. Yeah, yeah. I guess, yeah. you know. Um, okay, so he. this is what he wrote. The early risers of Aurora were astonished at the sudden appearance of the airship. Evidently, some of the machinery was out of order, for it was making a speed of only 10 or 12 miles an hour and gradually settling towards the earth. It sailed over the public square, and when it reached the north part of town, collided with Judge Proctor's windmill, scattering debris, wrecking the windmill and water tank, and destroying the judge's flower garden. Oh, no, not his flower garden. I know, and it was I April. I bet it was beautiful. Yeah, I bet it was really pretty that time of year. <laughs> It goes on to say that after the crash, many of the townspeople gathered to assess the debris, which was said to resemble silver and aluminum. And keep in mind, aluminum was actually a really rare metal at the time. Mm, Wow. This is when they also reportedly found the corpse of the pilot. (gasps) Quoting again from the Dallas Morning News. While his remains are badly disfigured, Enough of the original has been picked up to show that he was not an inhabitant of this world. Wow. It goes on to say that the townspeople buried the pilot with Christian rites at the local cemetery. (laughs) They they just assumed that the alien was... Look, they were taking care of his soul. Right, yeah. I guess (laughs) not knowing one way or the other, they they made a guess. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The newspaper also claims that they found documents that look to be written in hieroglyphics. Wow. After the cleanup, most of the wreckage from the crash site was dumped into the well located underneath the damaged windmill, and the rest was buried with the alien in the cemetery. How soon did they bury him? I think it was the next day. Yeah. (gasps) Mm. Um, Adding to the mystery is the story of Mr. Brawley Oates. 
he purchased the property from Judge Proctor somewhere around 1945. And he decided that he was going to clean out the well and use it for his water source. Hmm. After this cleanup, he developed this really severe form of what they think is arthritis. And it just like knotted his hands up really bad. And there are pictures of this as well. And I'll put that on the Instagram. And it looks kind of crazy. It's like all these boils on his hands. And, you know, one could speculate that the well water was contaminated from the metal from the aircraft. And that was what was causing his illness. That's what I would speculate. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but it could have been something else, you know. No, no, no. Stop okay. Stop introducing other... It's definitely the alien metal that made the water bad. Definitely, right? Yep. <laughs> he decided to have it uh, sealed with a concrete slab in 1957. And that was that. Uh, the incident was mostly forgotten for decades until 1973 when a reporter named Jim Mars interviewed an eyewitness. And, and I, when did you say it was? So he interviewed the eyewitness in 1973. When was the original crash? I thought you said it was 1890 or something. 1897. Yeah. And there was an eyewitness that was still alive? They would have yes. been like a baby. Well, they were 10. So Oh, so they were like 100 when he got interviewed? I think he was 83 years old when he was interviewed. Wow. And it's this guy, Charles C. Steffens, who, like I said, was 10 years old when the crash took place. That morning, Charles and his dad were working with cattle when they spotted a, quote, cigar-shaped aircraft with a bright light. Mm. They watched it move towards downtown Aurora, and then they heard an explosion and saw flames burst into the sky over Judge Proctor's land. Wow. I wanted to go immediately and see what happened, Stephens told Mars. But my daddy said we had to finish our chores. The following <laughs> day, Stephens' father rode into town to view the airship debris. So the dad went and said, no, you can't go in, but yeah. I'll go in. Okay. Yeah, I think. And then there was another thing I was reading about another eyewitness that they interviewed. And I guess they didn't want the children to see it. So in both cases of these um they saw the airship, but they didn't see the actual crash site. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, Mars went to go visit the pilot's grave at the Aurora Cemetery. So this uh, this reporter. And he saw that it was marked by a crude rock headstone that was half broken. Mm. So when this came out, this interview and all this information about this in 1973, it brought a ton of attention to the Aurora Cemetery. And local law enforcement began guarding it to ensure that no one vandalized the area or tried to dig up the alien's body. When the patrols ceased in June of 73, the headstone was immediately stolen. So like the next day. So as soon as they stopped guarding it, the headstone was stolen. (sighs) This is why you can't have nice things. You have to, <laughs> someone has to take it. Yeah, or the government came in. Oh, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> oh, that's Or a, maybe just some kid, who knows? <laughs> interesting, interesting angle. Yeah. Yes. So to this day, people have been calling to have the, the alien bodies exhumed. Yeah. But they've been blocked by the town's authorities. Ugh. Come on. <laughs> and I know, I know. And since the headstone was removed, the exact burial site can no longer be determined. Hmm. But in recent years, ground penetrating radar has been used to discover an unmarked grave 
in the area where the pilot was believed to have been buried. They used old photographs to surmise the approximate location. Okay. Mm. But they're still not letting people dig it up? No, they wouldn't (sighs) let them dig it up. Mm. But they did find that there was an unmarked grave there. Mm. And it looked like the grave of like a child. So. Oh. If you hear of other UFO accounts or other alien encounters, a lot of times there'll be these shorter beings. Right. So I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you know. Mm-hmm. That's true. There weren't <laughs> any like written descriptions of the alien, of the body? Uh, Anywhere? Not that I read or that I can remember I read. Gosh, people were so different back then. I just can't imagine something like that happening now and like no one writing anything. Well, uh, no, or, sorry. Like, actually, no, there was someone who wrote about it. I, I only saw this in one place, I which is why I didn't include it. But it's it's I'm remembering it now. And it was somebody who, who was an eyewitness and they said that it was a green little man. Oh, but I don't okay. know, like they wrote that like way later and mm-hmm. I don't know if it was just a story. Yeah. I, I don't know. I didn't see it anywhere else. So I'm not going to hang my hat on that yeah. fact, but that's the only thing that I read that described anything about the body. I mean, the like, I don't know, detective in me, I guess is like, well, that's how all alien, like that's, if you were to describe like a stereotypical alien, yeah, you'd be like, yeah. oh, little green man. But like, Back in the 18, they wouldn't have had that. Like the, the yeah. you know what I mean? Like they wouldn't well, have had. I think he wrote this later though. Oh. Hmm. You know what? I don't know for sure. <laughs> I should have written that down. No, um, no, no. If it was I'll, only in one I'll place. I'll find it and then I'll, I'll let you know. Um, <laughs> Text after this podcast right. <laughs> is released. Yeah. And, and then we'll never tell anybody else and it'll right. all just be, that'll be that. Do your own research, people. Yeah, look it up. <laughs> What are you coming to us for? Right. What do you expect from us? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, like I said, even with this find, the Aurora Cemetery Association has remained steadfast in their refusal to allow researchers to do any kind of exhumation of the grave. I wonder if that has something to do, I mean, this little town that I've never heard of, like, I would think that, like, I don't know if they were making money off of it, like if it was a tourist attraction or something like that, that they wouldn't want anything that might like disprove Maybe. what it is. But like, yeah. it doesn't really, I mean, the fact that I've never heard of this town and I literally grew up half an hour away from there I leads know. me to believe that it's not a big, like it's not like Roswell or it's not like, you know. Well, they do have like a plaque at the cemetery. And then um, one of my sources was the Aurora website, like city website. Mm-hmm. And uh, they kind of have a theme (laughs) (laughs) to their website. And like, there's like, you know, a little like Martian on their town sign. (laughs) Okay. So maybe they are branding it a little bit. They're leaning into it a little bit, but I don't know how soon they've started to do that, you know? Yeah. I wonder if their high school is like the aliens, like the Aurora aliens or something. It should be. It should be. And if it's not, it's disappointing. <laughs> right. Like, I just feel like you should be, like, making money off of it. Like, like I said, I could understand not wanting to, like, have somebody come in and, that might disprove your, like, big draw. Yeah. But if you're not having a big draw from it, then, like, let's check it out. Like, let's look. I agree. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they will one day. They're maybe, maybe they're in on it. Like, maybe. Yeah. I mean, they've got to be, right? Mm-hmm. It's, like, passed down, like, 
every mayor has like a secret meeting where like the town <laughs> council is like all dressed in cloaks and they're like, yeah. we have to let you in on the secret and you can't let anybody dig up this alien. And here are the documents with hieroglyphics. Yes. You know? And we've translated them and we're in contact with this alien <laughs> planet. And oh, yeah. 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 And it's just the town, too. They haven't even told the U.S. government or anything. Right. Yes. Yeah. That's it. That's totally. it. Yeah, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Figured it out. Well, of course, there is some skepticism regarding the crash. Mm -hmm. And the theory that this was just a hoax is primarily based on this 1980 Time magazine interview with an Etta Pegues. She was an 86-year-old Aurora resident who claimed that Hayden, the guy that wrote the piece for the Dallas Morning News, had fabricated the entire story and that he just wrote it as a joke as a way to bring interest to Aurora. She said the town was dying and this was his ploy to try to bring people into the town. What a wet blanket, lady. Like I know. <laughs> well— Hold on. There's some oh, problems okay. with her story, too. Oh, so we good. will get into that. You don't know what you're talking about, Etta. <laughs> In her defense. Okay, so today the Aurora population is around 1,400. But in the mid-1800s, the town was much larger. It had about 4,000 residents. It boasted two schools, two hotels. It had a whole commercial downtown district. But things started to really go downhill for the town when in 1891, it was hit with a spotted fever epidemic that killed hundreds and blinded hundreds more. Ooh, I haven't even heard of spotted fever. Yeah, well, here's the thing about that. They called it spotted fever at the time, but historians now believe that it was just a particularly deadly strain of meningitis. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. So another epidemic, just mm -hmm. ruining shit for everybody. God, it's epidemics. So over it. <laughs> Get your act together. Okay, so, but that wasn't all that happened. Okay. This town had a bout of bad luck. Yeah. Uh, around that same time, the cotton fields in the area were destroyed by a bull weevil infestation. Mm. And that caused a huge economic blow to the residents because that was their main industry at the time. Mm. And then, <laughs> shortly after that, the town's entire business district and several homes were destroyed in a fire. Man, the town can't catch a break. And that wasn't all. Uh, mm. One of the biggest blows to the town came when it was bypassed by a railroad that was originally supposed to stop in Aurora, but instead it was rerouted to another nearby town. Oh. So they lost out on that as well. Wow. So their situation was not good at the time. So mm. all this happened a few years before the aircraft hit into Proctor's windmill. So I guess you can see why this journalist, who was also a resident of Aurora, might have thought the town needed some saving. Yeah. Hmm. But at the same time, like, this was local news, you know? Like, it wasn't right. a story about some, like, far-flung place. Like, I feel like if people wanted to find out the truth, they could really easily verify what happened. Yeah. I just wonder if that was the point. Like, if, you know, he's trying to, like, advertise for a better word like yeah. to the big the big Dallasites that I think so too but then like I don't know what the journalistic standards were at the time but the Dallas Morning News was like a big newspaper in that area it's I mean it still is like I yeah. feel like that that speaks like the fact that the Dallas Morning News is still a huge paper and this was 100, 100 
150 years ago, 130 years ago. Yeah. I, I just can't imagine that it would be good for them to run a story that wasn't real. I don't know if they would risk their credibility on such a fantastical story. I just wonder if maybe he wrote it as, like, if we're going on this theory, that, like, maybe he wrote it as, like, satire. Like, he wrote no. it as just a story. No, oh. it was it was in the news section. It was, like, reporting on what was happening in the area. And this isn't, you know, it's not like some gossip rag. So right. if they said something crazy happened down the street from my house and I was reading it in the New York Times and I knew it didn't happen, Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just feels like there would have been a retraction or it would have been a bigger deal that this false story was written. I don't know. I, yeah, I guess I, I, I don't know. I just figure maybe he, he wrote it to be a joke. Yeah. I think about like, um, was it War of the World? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When they had the radio. Right, right. Yeah. That like people thought it was like, it was just this guy reading his stories on the radio, but people thought it was real and were like freaking out. Like when I thought the fourth kind was that movie yes. was real. <laughs> that happened. <laughs> so in the Time interview, Etta Pegues further claimed that Judge Proctor never even operated a windmill on his property. Uh, oh. But turns out, there was a windmill. So, hmm. don't think she knows what she's talking about. No, that's mean. I'm sorry. I should say that. <laughs> Researchers recently found the base of a windmill constructed around the well. It would have been constructed when Judge Proctor lived there because the oats, who still live on the property today, never had a windmill. Oh. So, they didn't, like, build one and then take it down. This would have been their... Original. You know. Yeah, Exactly. And they recently tested the well water, and it shows unusually high levels of aluminum. Oh. Additional scraps of metal found on the property in the early 70s were tested at my alma mater, the University of North Texas. (laughs) And they found that there was iron in them and also another unknown element. (gasps) Alien element alien element. That's what I'm Mm. saying. Yeah. It's also interesting to note that between 1896 and 1897, dozens of reports of strange cigar-shaped airships were reportedly witnessed across the country. Mm. They were the same shape, though? Yeah, they were the same shape. The aliens learn. They learn how low they can can fly. (laughs) Did you see the thing that just came out, the Pentagon? Yes, I did. So cool. Crazy, yes. Look, there's aliens, There, there's UFOs. I don't think they want us to know who they are. Or maybe they've just talked to our leaders, which is like, I mean, right now, it's not a good idea. Yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe wait a couple of years. Yeah. So yeah. wait a little bit. Yeah. Things are a little touch and go right now. There's a few of them. I mean. Yeah, there's a few. Other world leaders that maybe, but yeah, maybe, maybe not the U.S. <laughs> or England. You should yeah. probably stay away from <laughs> Just for a little bit. See how they're doing. Right, right. Um, But yeah. Yeah, so that's the story of the Aurora UFO crash. Cool. That's so weird that I've never, first of all, I've never heard of Aurora. And then that I've never, why didn't our parents ever take us there? I have no idea. But (sighs) as soon as I can get on a plane again and go visit my family, if that ever happens, I will go. Yeah. 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 It's like right outside of Fort Worth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Super cool. Good story. Thanks. Shout out to Kyle. Woo-woo, Kyle. Cool. Great. Yeah. 
Okay, well, my story is the story of America's only emperor, Emperor Joshua Norton the first. Huh. So Joshua Norton was born around 1818 is when they figure he was born. And one of the things that I read said that he might have been Jewish, but everything else seemed pretty sure that he was Jewish. But his, his middle name's Abraham, which would normally lead me to believe he's Jewish. But then, I mean, your brother's named Abraham. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't know if, I don't know, Avraham as opposed to, I guess, I guess people <laughs> can be named Abraham and not be Jewish, but. Yeah, I think a lot of people are named Abraham. I'm assuming your brother is named after Abraham Lincoln too, or is it biblical? Oh, I have no idea. Oh. I don't know who he's named after. <laughs> you know, that's not even his name. <laughs> what? <laughs> Well, it's his name. It's his middle name. Okay. Quick side note. uh, Side story. (laughs) (laughs) About my parents. Let's talk about Anna and Kim's families. (laughs) They're not super original when naming children. Like, Uh for me, they just put an extra A on my mom's name and sent me out into my world. My little sister didn't even get a middle name. Oh. And my brother Abe's first name is my dad's first name. So his name is John Abraham. And... It just got confusing, so they just called him Abe. Isn't Daniel older? Isn't your other oh, brother? Yeah. When, like, it's not the oldest brother that has the dad's name, I always think that's kind of... Is it John, not Jonathan? Too? No, it's John. Yeah, it's John Abraham. Yep. And then it, my sister is just Isabel. There's no... She's got nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just an iteration of my mother's name. Her name is Anne. I'm Anna. Yep. Well, learning new things. <laughs> well, anyway. Okay, uh, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Emperor Norton, middle name Abraham, but probably Abraham if he was Jewish, was born around 1818. He was born in England, um, but then his family moved to South Africa. Okay. So there was some encouragement from the English government at the time to move to South Africa. Okay. His parents both died within about six months of each other. Um, he lost a couple other family members. So he ended up inheriting his family's money. And then he decided, like all good people do, to go to San Francisco. So he jumped on a boat and I'm sure took 18 years to get from South Africa to San Francisco on a boat. Oh my God. Can you imagine that trek? Absolutely (laughs) not. It's like by the time you get there, you don't even want to be there anymore. (laughs) Right, right. It was around the gold rush. It was around 1849. So things were booming in San Francisco. Um, he arrived in San Francisco with, it says $40,000, which works out to about a million dollars today. So he had, nice. he had a chunk of change. Yeah. So he started to be a businessman. He owned a, a couple different businesses. And then he decided to invest in, there was a rice shortage in China. And so rice wasn't getting imported into the United States or into San Francisco. And so there was a shipment of Peruvian rice that was coming in that some guy was like, dude, you got to invest in this Peruvian rice and then you can buy this huge ship of it and then sell it for like double the amount of money you paid for it. And Edward Norton or Edward Norton, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Whoever. Yeah. Josh Norton. Does Edward Norton play him in a movie or something? He he, he might. He kind of looks like he could. He could kind of look like anybody, I guess. Sure. Josh Norton plays him in the movie. Um, but Edward Norton. Oh, my God. <laughs> Edward, Josh Norton was like, yeah, I'm going to buy this boat. So he bought this boat full of uh, 200,000 pounds of rice. 
um, thinking that he'd be able to resell it. He bought it for about three cents a pound. He was told that he'd be able to sell it for 12 cents a pound. So four times what he paid for it. But then right after he bought it, right after the contracts were all signed, like three more ships full of rice came into the harbor. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, so he's kind of misled. So he ended up not being able to sell the rice for even any profit. And so he lost all, pretty much all of his money on the rice thing. And then he took the guy to court to try to like, void the contract Mm -hmm. and so he was in court for like two years and all of that totally drained his money he lost all of his investments and he was pretty much destitute so by 1856 he had totally lost all of his money and he kind of disappeared from the record books only to re-emerge as Emperor Norton, as one does. Okay. So he might have gone a a bit crazy. (laughs) And he went crazy in the best city to go crazy in, in San Francisco. Sounds good. Yep. So he reemerged. It was in 1959. He sent a letter to... 1959 or 1859? Sorry. 1850. He's also immortal. Um, (laughs) Sorry. You're right. 1859. He reemerged and he sent a bunch of letters to all of the newspapers in San Francisco. And it was only one. It was only the record. I think it was called the San Francisco record that published it. This is what his decree says. At the peremptory request and desire of a large majority of citizens of these United States, I, Joshua Norton, formerly of Algoa Bay, Cape of Good Hope, now for the last nine years and ten months past, San Francisco, California, declare and proclaim myself Emperor of the United States. In the virtue of the authority thereby in me vested, do hereby order and direct the representatives of the different states of the Union to assemble at the Musical Hall in this city on the first day of February next, then and there to make alterations to the existing laws of the Union and to illuminate the evils under which the country is laboring and thereby cause confidence to exist both at home and abroad and our stability and integrity. Norton I, Emperor of the United States. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) I guess they did really like just publish crazy stories in the 1800s. Right. Maybe that's what they were like. Oh, I got nothing. (laughs) I'll just put anything out there. UFO crashes. Some guy Mm -hmm. says he's an emperor. You know, sure. It's news. Right. So, um, so after that, so like I said, he sent it to a bunch of different newspapers and the bulletin was the only one that would publish it. And then they started publishing all of these decrees that he had. So he had all these crazy decrees. He also later added, um, protector of Mexico. So he became Norton the first emperor of the United States and protector of Mexico. Of course. Right. Why not? Sure. Um, it did. I, it did later. He dropped it. Cause I think he figured maybe he thought that was too grand, but oh. at, there was a time, <laughs> there was a time when he figured he could protect Mexico too. So um, he made a couple different decrees. He wanted to abolish the government. In October 12th, 1859, he sent a decree to formally abolish the U.S. Congress. And the San Francisco Bulletin published that notice. Now, you got to wonder, like, how irresponsible are these publications being by putting this guy's stuff in the newspaper? Because he probably sees this and he's like, oh, they believe me. I mean, it's kind of a human interest story. Like, it's kind of just a funny thing. And like, it sounds like, I mean, if anybody's been to San Francisco now, like I lived in San Francisco. San Francisco is my favorite city in the entire world. Mm-hmm. It's it's just one of these places that I feel really embraces that it's just full of wackadoos and it just yeah. lets them be their best wackadoo that they can be. And 
this seems to be a longstanding tradition, that this is not a new thing. Love it. So, um, yeah. So okay. he made all these these decrees. He found out that he wasn't being listened to and got kind of annoyed at that. So he sent another official notice calling for Congress to violently be disbanded. Okay. So he really wanted some wanted some shit to go down for sure. And he was kind of annoyed that nobody was listening to him. While he was doing this, he was really like how San Francisco is now. Like the city kind of fell in love with him. So he started... Um, he wasn't, obviously didn't have a whole lot of money. So he would like go around to businesses and ask for his, quote, taxes. And some businesses <laughs> would give them to him. And then he started like issuing his own currency. And <laughs> and businesses would be like, sure. Oh, wow. So, I mean, San Francisco was really, this was really like their guy. Like they were all So he was it. like a character around town. Right. Totally. Yeah. In 1862, he ordered that the Catholic Church and the Protestant Church both ordain him as emperor. Okay. He thought that this would help the civil war, that this would, like, bring everybody together. Okay. They just, like, accepted him as emperor, I guess. Okay. But things were not all all shiny and great. He was arrested in uh, 1867, and he was committed for involuntary treatment of a mental disorder. And mm-hmm. then there was like, uh, everyone went crazy. Like everyone was like, dude, you have to let Emperor Norton go. You've just arrested <laughs> the emperor. I love it. Yeah. So there was like this big public outcry. They couldn't believe that he would be arrested. So then the chief of police, the highest guy in the whole San Francisco Police Department, um, issued that he be released. <laughs> they issued a formal apology. Oh, my God. <laughs> and the best part, he ordered all San Francisco police officers to salute him when they <laughs> passed him in the street. So they were like, dude, we're really sorry. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we're going to salute you. They also, um, in 1870, when the U.S. Census was done, they allowed him to write emperor as his okay. job. And they were like, <laughs> okay, fine. Like, you be, you be emperor. I mean, what else is he? Right. A homeless person. I guess that's not a job. But no, I mean, if you think about it, how does he get himself money, sustenance? Is he he goes around and he lets people know what he is and then that's working that's, for it. He's collecting his taxes everywhere. Very true. That's it's a, a good source point. of income. Right. So yeah. I, I would argue that, that that holds water with me. Yes. Okay. That makes sense. Um, a couple more of his decrees. In 1869, he he ordered the abolishment of the Democratic and Republican Party, which I think would be a great idea. Why not? Yeah, let's just get rid of both of them. Right. Doesn't want the two-party system anymore. But of all of his decrees, and all, there's a couple more, but his best one that I think should still be a law, in 1872, he ordered that... Whoever, after due and proper warning, shall be heard to utter the abominable word Frisco, which has no linguistic or other warrant, shall be deedly guilty of a high misdemeanor and shall pay into the imperial treasury under the penalty sum of $25. So just a warning to anyone that goes to San Francisco, if you call it Frisco, everyone hates you. And also, you're going to get fined. You're going to get fined. I'm going to collect it in the name of Emperor Norton. Exactly. Kim's going to come knocking on your door. Pay up, buddy. Yes. Can't call it that. Don't. I have a question. Do you hate it when people call it SF? No. SF SF is okay. But, and I feel like, like when you're like texting. What about 
San Fran. Uh, San Fran is almost worse than Frisco. Like that's a bad really? one too. Oh, yes. Okay. I feel like San- it might even be worse. Uh, San okay. Fran is the one that when, when I was first moving to San Francisco, I was living in Canada before I moved to San Francisco. And I was so excited. And my dad lived uh, near, he lived in Berkeley. He lived near San Francisco in like the 70s or something like that, mm-hmm. the 60s. He was quite a hippie. And he, <laughs> um, he, I was moving there and I was like, oh my gosh, we're moving to San Francisco. The, probably the next thing out of his mouth was do not call it San Fran. Like whatever <laughs> you do, don't, like if you want to fit in with anybody, don't call it San Fran. So I feel like I've been, uh, been guilty of calling it San Fran maybe once or twice (laughs) well now now you know like now you know know. better so you do better never do it again right do not call it Frisco don't call it San Fran gotcha SF is okay SF is okay the city that's what the cool kids say okay yeah (laughs) so um he was fairly um progressive on civil rights he had a bit of a he kind of fluctuated about women's rights in 1879, he did sign a petition that said that no citizens of the state shall be disenfranchised on account of sex. Okay. But he also, there was apparently some, some this is kind of a legend thing. There was some rally going on in San Francisco for women's rights that he wasn't a part of, but he was just like walking by. And then he gets up onto the stage and s- starts telling the women to go home and mind their children. So, I mean... He kind of went back and forth, I guess, on, yep, yep. on what he believed. You see that? Yep. They, Not too uh, cool, buddy, it, but all right. Yeah, it does say that pandemonium broke out so everyone was not I bet that that wasn't a safe place no. for him after that he probably no. needed to hightail it out of there right time to go <laughs> um he also uh there was there's kind of a legend story like some of the things I read totally said it was 100% a legend and then some of the things I read said that it happened because there was a bunch of uh, anti-Chinese sentiment going around the country at the time like mm. there was a big Chinese immigration and so it's kind of one of those all the Chinese are taking our jobs type of thing. And um, so... I'm so glad that we've we've uh, gotten past right, that. Right, that we moved past that. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, so there was apparently a... Because um, San Francisco then and now has a pretty big Chinatown. And there was um, kind of the beginnings of a riot against these Chinese people that were walking around. And so allegedly Emperor Norton stood in between them and just started repeating the Lord's Prayer over and over and over again. And it broke up the riot. So he like saved okay. the people. But yeah, so he allegedly stood in between. Um, he also had some progressive views that are still, he might not have done some things. Like his decrees didn't really go anywhere, but a couple of them did arguably lead to some reform. So he um, started the ideals for the League of Nations, which led to the United Nations. So he, he kind of thought that was a great idea and started kind of talking about it. He also was a big proponent of a bridge connecting San Francisco and Oakland. Okay. um, Which is there now, in case anybody doesn't know. Awesome. Yep. So he started all of that in, uh, so then his his later years, he continued to see over his subjects. He would be seen walking around San Francisco, um, making comments about like, this pothole needs to be filled or like this you know, shop window is broken or he would telling the police that they needed to be in certain areas. (laughs) Um, On January 1880, uh, he collapsed at the corner of California Street and Grant Avenue, which there's a big church there now. I looked it up trying to like get some like, because I worked Mm -hmm. on California Street. So I was like, oh, maybe I'd like been there. 
but there's a big church there now. And his collapse was immediately noticed by some police officers. They ran over as fast as they could, um, but he was apparently dead before um, he could be taken to the hospital. He was originally just going to kind of have a pauper's funeral paid for by the city of San Francisco. But the people of San Francisco would not have this. So they immediately started raising funds. They started selling uh, different souvenirs to go towards the funds. And they ended up paying for a huge funeral for him. So his headstone and coma reads, Norton I, Emperor of the United States, Protector of Mexico, Joshua A. Norton, 1819 to 1880. And there's a whole bunch of groups that are in San Francisco still that kind of preserve the memory of Emperor Norton. There was a big push. The part of the bridge that goes from Treasure Island to Oakland was changed somewhat recently. They, they built a new bridge. Like it was when I lived there. So it was within the past eight years anyway. Okay. Um, they knocked down the bridge that was there and then they built this big nice bridge. And there was a big push even then to name the bridge the Emperor Norton Bridge. Um, so they, yeah, they they tried really hard to to get it to be named after him. It didn't, it hasn't worked yet, but they're still kind of trying. Yeah, so he's still around. He's still making San Francisco weirdo San Francisco that it is. And um, that's the story of the United States only emperor. I love that. Yeah. I, lo- I love like those characters and towns, you know, that everybody knows about. I feel like there's a lot of them in, in Denton too. Right. I-, I love those kinds of stories. Did you see recently Vice News did a like a mini documentary on this guy from Milwaukee and they call him the Wolverine of Milwaukee? Have you seen that? No, I haven't. Oh my God, it's so cool. It's this guy that looks like Wolverine and he oh. just like, walks around Milwaukee for hours every day with his shirt off. (laughs) Oh. And he looks like Wolverine walking down the street. And there's this huge following there. It's it's just like there's like Wolverine sightings and they have like a beer named after him. And and he's just this guy and he like loves Milwaukee. And they interview him and he's just like, Milwaukee is the best place in the world and talks all about it. It's just, it's great. I I like that too. That kind of like, let's just let everybody be... Just be you. Yeah. Just be the best you that you can be. Look, you find what you love. Right. And then let it kill you. Isn't that the the phrase? (laughs) Never work a day in your life. I don't think let it kill you is a phrase. That that's a phrase too. Find what you love and let it kill you. But yeah, but never work a day in your life is much more (laughs) positive. I guess. Yeah. Awesome. That was such a cool story. I love that. That was great. Yeah. So when you're in San Francisco, look look it up. There's I a, know. It's kind of the same thing you were talking about. There's a bunch of bars and stuff named after him. and So cool. Yeah. Just these, the people, there's an Instagram account called the people of New York <laughs> that I follow that I bet there's one for San Francisco too. Like just kind of the crazy people that oh, are in New yeah. York. Oh, yeah. 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 Like the people of Walmart. Yes. I follow that too. But it's <laughs> kind of like great. that. Yeah. Just kind of people watching, which I, I always yeah. feel like I follow them because I think they're funny. But at the same time kind of sad yeah like maybe don't take random pictures of people like yeah but look you know what they made some choices to go out in the world yes yeah wearing those you know skin colored leggings and uh (laughs) just my favorite instagram account (laughs) is called hot guys reading (laughs) oh i've seen that oh my god (laughs) it combines all my favorite things 
But it's, yeah. it's kind of the same thing that you're like, maybe don't take pictures of random yeah. people. But yeah. at the same time, I mean, you're if somebody was like, oh, I took a picture of you because you were hot. I'd be like, OK. Yes. <laughs> There's also okay. the nicer version of that Humans of New York which maybe is that's maybe that's what I'm thinking of humans of New York it is nice like it is humans of New York is really nice they interview the people and they get their consent maybe that's what I'm thinking of if you don't follow humans of New York you should definitely follow humans of New York it's Check really it good and they did like a couple like short documentaries the last few years and they've done books and it's just like they just talk to random people on the streets of New York and they find out their stories and you know it's yeah. this guy that does it and he um and now he travels around the world and does it. He'll do like trips to places and Aww. it's great. It's really really good. That's Humans nice. of New York, yeah. I if you're thinking people of New York and it's just like randos that are like doing something crazy, I I don't think that's okay. the same one. Maybe I follow, maybe I follow both of them cuz I but, am yeah. thinking of one too that like just says like kind of heartwarming stories about people yeah. or like how they ended up in New York and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I think that's Humans of New York. Okay. Follow them all. Speaking of following things, you should follow us too while you're at it. Yes. While you're following all these things on Instagram. So Please we're do. at Peculiar Stories and Fire Tales on all the things. We're Wait, on are a- we not going to do our rundown? Oh, oh, <laughs> shoot. Sorry. <laughs> I forgot. I, I mean, still good, follow that us. That was such a good segue. Oh. Yes, you know what? People might not always make it to the end of us talking, so it's better we do it now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Go rate, listen, subscribe, check us out. Mm -hmm. Do all the things. All the things. We'll do our rundown. (laughs) We'll tell our rundown now. (laughs) Okay, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. I guess it would be yesterday. My husband found a new trail by us. Oh, that's Uh, the best feeling. Yeah, I know, isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. And it was a... it really nice because it it was like a 1.4 mile loop that like I guess you can do two of and he's been running a lot lately mm-hmm. and so he found this one and he took me on it and right now the trails are really crowded because mm-hmm. everybody's off work and they've actually shut a bunch of them down because of that so some of our favorite trails we can't even get to anymore because uh, just people weren't social distancing the way that they were supposed to so they just mm-hmm. kind of closed them off. So we found this one that's kind of more secluded and was still open. And it was just nice to run somewhere new, find something new. You know, we're all kind of stuck inside right now. And we're seeing the same thing over and over. It's like Groundhog's Day. So to like right. be able to discover something new is really exciting and fun. And uh, yeah, so that that was my run. Cool. Um, so my rundown is um, I like like everybody I've been running. I feel like I've been running more because um, that's just about the only thing there is to do. Um, and I told myself, this is kind of a future run. Um, I told myself that I would run a half marathon. And yes. so, yeah. So I meant to do it last weekend. And by the time I thought about it, like I literally like put my Wait, shoes on. you're just going to run a half marathon like on your own? Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> what I've been doing. Like I feel that's like, awesome. I kind of feel like there's not going to be any organized runs for quite a while. No. So if I'm... If I'm waiting for that, which has been kind of the thing that's made it hard. I feel like I've been walking a lot more um, because of that. Because you like, it's hard to like get motivated to like. Nothing to train for. Right. Like, yeah, I'm just like, oh, I feel I'll just, yeah. I'll just walk. Um, but I told myself, I was like, okay, like last week, I was like, I'm going to do this half marathon. And I like mapped out a track that like, oh, if I go twice around this and whatever, so that I wouldn't like, because I really don't like like walking around in a circle 13 times that would be terrible. no it's awful yeah right. so I like mapped out like a way to run around the city and then I just like totally forgot about it until I was 
I was going for a run on Sunday and it was probably like five o'clock. And I was like, as I was walking out the door, I was like, oh, I was going to do my half marathon today. But it was like already too late. Like it would have gotten dark before mm-hmm. I finished it. So I told myself this Sunday. So you need to make sure you text me, Anna. This oh, Sunday, I will. <laughs> I'm going to do my half marathon. It's not supposed to be too hot. It's not supposed to rain. I'm going to do it. So it's kind of a future run goal that uh, wow. I'm shooting for. Yeah. I don't think I've ever done a full half marathon just on my own. I've done, I've ran in half marathons where there were other people around me yeah. and stopping would have made me look ridiculous. So <laughs> I didn't finish it. Yeah. yeah. But that might be the only reason. So yeah, that's really impressive. That's a I, lot of like self-determination. I'm, I, 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 I applaud you. <laughs> I've never run one period. Like I've never, like 10K is about the longest like when I'm in an organized run, like mm-hmm. it's about the long. So we'll see. I might die. I'm probably going to walk a lot of it. You're not going to die. Yeah. <laughs> I You're won't die. You're not going to die. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be but, fine. Yeah. But I'll I, do a long run Sunday too because I need a reason to do it. So yeah. I'll be with you in solidarity. In yes. Yeah. Sunday, Sunday, run day, run day, Sunday. <laughs> I will not do a half marathon. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. I might just like regret everything about it. I can manage maybe six miles on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. I might just be at work just like dead. But you'll be fine. Yeah, you'll be fine. You'll be be surprised. I feel like if if you can run six to eight miles, you can definitely run a half marathon. Like you're going to be conditioned enough to go those last few. I remember talking to some when I started doing 10Ks because I I haven't done a whole. I just recently started doing 10Ks. And I remember being like super nervous about it. And I was talking to somebody in like my running group and they were like, dude, if you can do five, you can do 10. And if you can do 10, you can like it's not. Yeah. You're overthinking it. Like, just do it. It's fine. So, yeah. So it's kind of a future run that I'm sure will be a good run. And I'll let you all know. Awesome. But, yeah. So. Can't wait to hear all about it. Yeah. So now <laughs> check us out on the things, all the things. Patreon. Uh, the social media. Yep. Patreon is uh, patreon.com slash P-S-A-F-O-T. That's the only one that's not like it all spelled out. So yep. it's tails, T-A-L-E-S. And I feel like I write T-A-I-L-S. Like, like dog tails? Yes. Like probably <laughs> like 90% of the time that Aww. I'm like typing it in, I have to go back and be like, no, that's not what I meant. We like, chose a long name. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's tails, like a story, obviously, <laughs> not dogs. Tails. Surprise, it's turning into a dog podcast. <laughs> da, da, da. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So follow some things. We're we're getting yeah. there with our Instagram followers. Yeah. Shout really out to our girl Sarah, hooking up our Instagram all the time. Woo-hoo. She's making stuff look awesome. Yes. Doing yeah. a great job. Yeah. Um. And go to our website, peculiarstoriesandfaroutales.com. We are on iTunes. We are on Spotify. We are on Stitcher. You can't right. get away from us. Yeah. Just try. I dare you. <laughs> we're almost on. I, probably by the time you're listening to this, we're on iHeartRadio. We're on all the things. We're yeah. going to be. Yes. yes. Yeah. They must accept us. Yes. Yeah. They said it would be two weeks and it's been a week and a day. So they still have time. Yes. So. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And always remember, it's far better to be peculiar than boring. Woohoo. Yeah. Yay.